You're listening to Love and War with David Harwood. This is a weekly podcast where David offers spiritual insights that are aimed to enhance your relationship with God, yourself, and others. If you are edified by what you hear, please recommend this podcast to people you love. Now, here's David. We've concentrated on two of your primary scriptural identities. First, you are a child of God. Secondly, Jesus is your brother. God sees you this way. You are called to honor him and deeply internalize his perspective. Our minds must determinedly meditate upon these scriptural truths. Herein is a call to diligence, Luke 8, 15. But the seed and the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. You're speaking to yourself and about yourself while keeping these identity matters in mind provide a good foundation for the Holy Spirit's activity. His merciful work is necessary to bring these truths to bear upon the seat of your emotions. He will transform you as he unfolds layer after layer of these realities to your awareness. How he sees you can influence how you see you. Paul described aspects of our relationship with God. It is written in the Tree of Life version, Colossians 1.21, Once you were alienated from God and hostile in your attitude by wicked deeds. We can be alienated from and harbor hostility towards ourselves. Instead, we are to be favorably disposed towards ourselves. Concerning self-condemnation. Before I became associated with Bible believers, I don't think I ever heard that term. I knew the feeling, but not the phrase. Scriptures speak of the lusts of our flesh being like a spiritual disease and of the unregenerate desires of our minds being symptoms of that malady. Ephesians 2, 3a. Among them, we too all formerly walked in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Part of the lusts of the mind is a perverse yearning for a religion flavored with a mistrust of God and self-condemnation. Self-condemnation is like a soulish form of self-flagellation. Whipping or cutting oneself is practiced by a couple of religions, most notably by some Roman Catholics, especially in the Philippines during Lent, and by many adherents to Shia Islam during the day of Ashura, for non-religious people, this can be seen in a current dysfunctional fad of self-harm by unhappy adolescents. Self-flagellation can be a metaphor describing disproportionate self-criticism. Excessive criticism of oneself rarely produces positive change and is definitely not pleasing to our king. We want to please him. Recall our prayer, Abba. Let the words I speak and my heart's deepest thoughts give your presence pleasure. 
We're certainly not to ignore the conviction of sin. We're not to self-justify. Proverbs 17, 15. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. At the same time, we need to ally ourselves with our advocate. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Romans 8, 33. It was revealed that the verdict has been determined. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Pardon has been procured. Righteousness has been proclaimed. It is possible to keep our consciences clear as we maintain a dialogue with the one who loves us. 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Part of your inner narrative needs to be that you are a justified child of God and you are actually Jesus' brother. I believe that most people know they need to change in some areas of their lives. To be aware of that and not self-flagellate is a mark of growing spiritual maturity. In other words, don't beat yourself up. Relax. Really? My perspective is that we are best transformed from a position of rest. Let's think about a troubled relationship. If there is pressure to change with a sense of, you'd better change or else, it is akin to social extortion. Also, how would one know if any subsequent change was sincere? A mentor told me a story about a child who was taken to church by his parents. He kept standing up on the pew. After being corrected a few times, he was threatened with a spanking. Remembering prior experiences, he sat down. Then he defiantly looked up at his dad and said, I'm still standing up on the inside. Heartfelt change is not generally the result of being threatened. On the other hand, there is an expression, don't ever change. When someone says that, they're trying to say, I love you just the way you are. Here's an open secret. We can love a person as they are and at the same time see a need for improvement. We can be kind to ourselves and still see a need for change. We can cooperate with God who is changing us from glory to glory. This is best accomplished by going to Jesus and being transformed. He said, Matthew 11, 28-30, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. These words are appropriate to our topic. We need help to change our inner narrative. I especially love the invitation to go to the Lord himself. After all, who wants to change apart from a relational interchange with the Lord? I mean, would it be enough to change and not be in a relationship with Jesus? I hope you agree that such an option is not optimal. The Messiah described eternal life as not mere immortality, but as a vital connection with his Father and with himself. John 17:3. Reality. The favor zone. Let's get lined up with the Messiah's point of view. 
How does he see us? How God sees us is how we really are. Here are a couple of questions that may be worth your attention. One, does he only see Jesus' righteousness? Two, does he see your flaws and areas where you need to grow? How about a one-word answer this time? They're easy to remember. Here it is. Yes. We have been catapulted into the sphere of God's favor. I call it the favor zone. Those who have received the gift of righteousness have been transferred into the favor zone. It is within the favor zone that we work out, with great respect towards God, our salvation. One ingredient of our identities is that we are in process. It is like being on the potter's wheel. You are being formed. Embrace the process. You can draw near to God in the middle of every internal and external circumstance. The transformation will continue while you're alive. You are being changed. Don't give up and throw up your hands in frustration. Lift up your hands in awe and be patient. It is God that is working in you. A renewed identity matter. Jesus is your friend. This is the identity matter I'd like you to review and adopt. Jesus and you are friends. Incredulous? Don't be. Look how he was described. Matthew 11:19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. I believe this feature of their report, Jesus is the friend of sinners. You and I qualify. Jesus is our friend. But can we say that we are his? There are degrees of friendship with Jesus described in the apostolic testimony. He was friends to people who were not part of the apostolic company. John 11, 11. He said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. Jesus dignified his apostles with this description. Luke 12, 4. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. Please note that when he spoke this to them, they were spiritually immature. They definitely did not fulfill this category of friendship. You are my friends if you do what I command you. John 15, 14. So where does this leave us in this identity matter? How should we build our inner narratives? At the least we can say to the one who indwells us, I am glad you are my friend. I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. Someone who sincerely says that to the Savior is his friend. Do you see yourself as Jesus' friend? Break the mold of self-disqualification. You are qualified for mutual friendship as a sinner. If you recognize that you are on the potter's wheel and are a developing disciple, he calls you friend. Perhaps you think of yourself as someone who always does whatever Jesus commands you to do. Probably not. And qualify for the highest form of friendship with the king. No matter what your spiritual state, Jesus is your friend and you are his. 
speak to your soul rehearse this reality love and war is written and presented by david harwood editing is by david and sammy avino who is also the producer and technical advisor for the podcast David is the pastor of Restoration Fellowship in Glencove, New York, and the author of the books, God's True Love and For the Sake of the Fathers. To purchase copies of David's books, please go to loveofgodproject.org. The theme song for this podcast is Skirmish, from the album Combustion, which was written and performed by Leonard Jones. Additional episodes of Love and War can be downloaded on the Podbean app or through iTunes. For more information on love and war, Restoration Fellowship, God's True Love, or For the Sake of the Fathers, visit us on RestorationFellowshipNY.com, LoveOfGodProject.org, Book.ForTheSakeOfTheFathers.com, or you can follow us on Facebook at Restoration Fellowship NY, Love of God Project, Love and War DH, and For the Sake of the Fathers. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email David at LoveAndWar underscore DH at yahoo.com As always, please remember to share love and war and support us by leaving a positive review on iTunes and Podbean.